Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As uh, we got to the end of another fun week, Frank, it's uh, the, the time. I feel like, I don't know if it's just me, and I might be alone with this. I, I do feel like April is moving at least four times as fast as what March did. I don't know whether it was just the, the fact that we started March with basketball, then all of a sudden in the middle of the month, it went completely haywire. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like time is moving a little bit faster and maybe this is my some somewhat optimistic belief that good times are ahead i'm not so sure am i alone on this am i completely uh off the mark with that with that feeling i imagine many people would disagree with you but um (laughs) i i personally would kind of agree and psychologically maybe part of that is um because as an nba fan like i almost like it scares me seeing the the weeks now seemingly yeah. start to accelerate a little bit because um you know i think obviously in the u.s at least um we are fingers crossed hopefully um like if not past the worst we're right around the worst that uh this pandemic's going to be and, and again you know hate to uh, I'm, I'm very hesitant to pull the you know mission accomplished banner out because i think some people in the federal government might be trying to <laughs> trying to do that and <laughs> we're a long way from, um, you know, that. And it's obviously the sort of one of those things like as soon as you let up, you know, let up and act like, Oh yeah, we can go back to normal. Then, um, it can go way worse than, than it was. So who knows, but, um, at least it seems like we're in a better place than we were, you know, a few weeks ago when we didn't know exactly how this was all going to proceed. And again, not saying we do now, but we think we maybe have a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel or some sense of, of, of maybe, maybe we can get, um, sports back and so uh, at some point this summer um, but but we'll see and um, yeah I, I was gonna say like the first two weeks felt like two months um, and the I guess whatever it's been now three four weeks since then has felt more like three four weeks <laughs> so um, <laughs> I would tend to agree with you but I'm sure a lot of people out there um, the the days and weeks um, I don't know and your mileage may vary maybe a lot of it may be really slow I, I find the weeks themselves, my work weeks tend to just go really slowly just because I don't have, uh, I, t- I used to travel a lot. The travel kind of broke it up in a weird way. Um, so I appreciate not traveling as well. But um, yeah, I think everybody's just sort of trying to get used to this new, hopefully the new abnormal, let's say, um, for, for however long this goes. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, I mean, we're, we're going to do, we're going to do some, some award ballot stuff today, which I guess is implying that the season, the regular season is, is over. but um, I, I think, I think we can, I think we can safely say that, that, uh, the awards, the, the, you know, whatever happens with this basketball season, if they come back, even if they were to play some small number of regular season games, for instance, just to warm up for the playoffs, I'm going to go ahead and say probably not going to change anything about the awards season. So I feel pretty safe doing this right now. Right. 
I think so. And this was really one of the, the hot topics as the NBA season sort of shut down as well. I mean, we know the week before this, uh, we were sort of talking about it because the debate between uh, LeBron and Giannis was in full swing. And we know that it culminated with the, the Lakers beating the Bucks on the Friday night before uh, things shut down. And then on the Sunday afternoon at Staples Center, they also beat the Clippers. And uh, there was a big... Uh, ESPN bias towards this. We also know that they were covering the games and this was billed as the weekend that LeBron can make his move. Uh, I think that you combine that with the fact that Giannis went down with the knee injury that uh, we will, I mean, we'll never actually know when Giannis was going to come back. I mean, there was certainly some hope that he would have played that game against the Celtics uh, on the Thursday night and then they had the worries in the Saturday night at Fiserv Forum. But uh, we'll never know whether that was actually going to be the case and, and how much time he would have missed. And I think, you know, as the Lakers were so, sort of trying to close the gap on the Bucks for the best record in the NBA, uh, I do feel that that debate was only going to move forward and, and heat up even more. Uh, I think uh, a couple of weeks after the season shut down, there was a poll done with a, a bunch of, uh, media members that would have voted for the MVP, and it was still oh, it's very almost almost unanimous that Giannis was going to win that. And and we we obviously prior to the shutdown spoken felt that Giannis still had an edge there, but things certainly had potential to get interesting. And I think the big thing for mine would have been the records, uh, the team records. If somehow the Lakers are able to close the gap and get a better record than the Bucks, then maybe some people might have been convinced that that was the case. Uh, funnily enough, the last game that the Lakers played against Brooklyn, I don't know if everyone else remembers this, but LeBron missed a wide-open layup against the Nets at home. Brooklyn ended up winning that game, and the Bucks right now, as it stands, still have a three-game lead. But, uh, you know, as far as the MVP goes, it was, it was a hot topic when things shut down. Yeah, I mean, I think the LeBron industrial complex was, you know, working overtime to... <laughs> Crank, crank out some competition and, um, and you know, nothing, to take nothing away from LeBron. I mean, that was a pretty terrific weekend. I thought, you know, he, it was a little interesting. I mean, it got made out to be as though like LeBron dominated Giannis in that game when, I mean, Giannis scored 32 and, you know, was playing on like one leg by the end of it. Um, so, it, you know, again, it's just sort of the, the narratives uh, thing kind of coming into play a bit, but yeah, he had a terrific weekend. And I think, I think we saw in both those games, you know, also just, when he decides he's going to really lock in defensively, he can still be a real impact player on that. And even if night to night, you know, he's not the type of defensive player that uh, is going to impact the game the way Giannis does or an Anthony Davis or, or a Kawhi, um, you know, in that kind of like MVP category of, of guys. So, um, so yeah, it was interesting. I was very happy to see, uh, I was watching that game while I was traveling for work, the Nets game that uh, LeBron missed said layup in and Anthony Davis missed a, game-winning three-point at the game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer so um there were it was it was a simpler time we were making jokes about Spencer Didwitty uh you know t- being now being the MVP favorite because he had just beaten LeBron uh which I enjoyed that level of cynicism but um yeah that was that that, that was the last night of real NBA basketball we had because the next night everything uh, everything dramatically changed but um I you know again I think as you said um unless LeBron and the Lakers caught up to the Bucks in the standings. Um, I mean, Giannis's numbers are just unassailable this season. And as good as LeBron has been, I mean, he's just not in, in the same class, off, you know, in terms of overall 
statistics and just overall impact as as Giannis and and arguably um, you know most metrics, especially most advanced metrics, you know all in one things like that. I would actually have James Harden ahead of LeBron as well. So um, yeah, but where do you where do you want to start? Do you want to start? I I think what we want to do is do our MVP ballot. So we're gonna put on our uh, media member hats uh, as though we we have MVP ballots. You want to start at the top or do you want to start at the bottom? Which way do you want to go? I think we should start at, at the bottom. I, I think that I know you, you hinted maybe maybe you're you're about to throw in a, a wild a curveball at us here that I wasn't expecting. But I, maybe maybe you want to go with your with your five four uh, three, I guess, and then and then we can roll from there. Sure. Um, and I you know this is I think a lot more complicated than um, than than the top, right? I think the top you're gonna. I think everybody knows which which what our top two are, are going to be. Um, I would say this, like, you know, if I was going to just pick, um, you know, who are the guys that are at least in the discussion for, let's say, the three through five spots, um, you have a, guy, a bunch of guys who had pretty awesome seasons, but also I think, you know, again, there are some obvious flaws that, that would prevent them from being mentioned, even in the same breath as, as LeBron, who, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to have at number two. So, um, you know, I think Harden's in there. Uh, I think Andy Davis is in there. Uh, I think Damian Lillard. Uh, as bad as the kind of Blazers have been with all the injuries, I think Lillard's uh, had a monster season. Uh, Nikola Jokic, um, I think, is in there, despite having a rough start to the year. Obviously, he really came on strong as the year went on. Uh, Luka Doncic, um, for sure, uh, you know, maybe lost a little bit of steam, had some injuries. Um, but when I was looking at the numbers, he actually didn't miss as many games as I thought he did. And uh, I mean, just just the numbers he put up this year, just incredible. Um, and other guys, I think Kawhi Leonard, um, I think he also figures into this. Uh, you, you know, again, I mean, yes, did he play tons of minutes? No, but, um, you know, he didn't miss like 20 games or something like that. You know, last year he missed, I think he missed 20 games exactly. Um, this year he actually, uh, you know, was a little bit more. Uh, I think he played 51, 51 games this year, um, which is a, at least, a, you know, a little bit more aggressive track than last year. Uh, and was again pretty awesome. Became more of a playmaker. So uh, those are probably the guys that I would say, um, at least some of the guys that I would put in the uh, you know in the in the discussion for for top five um, you know MVP ballot type type slots. Um, let me do this. I'll I'll rule out the guys that that I don't have um, in in that group. Um, so Anthony Davis, I'm I'm gonna leave out. Um, you know. Could you have made a case for Anthony Davis as potentially even third or fourth? I think you can, you know, especially given the way he played defensively. Um, I'll say this from a MVP standpoint. I downgrade him a little bit just because the Lakers just never seem to be particularly good without LeBron on the floor, even with Davis out there. So I think that kind of knocks him down in sort of the MVP discussion a bit. Um, so I, I just think there are too many guys having awesome seasons, for me at least. Um, so I might have him like, let's say six. So I, I don't have Anthony Davis in there. Um, Lillard, uh, Blazers, I think were just too bad <laughs> for, for me to put um, Lillard in that discussion. So I, I don't have Lillard in there either. Um, and Jokic, man, Jokic was awesome. Um, but I think for me, I, I'm going to go with my number five spot. And, and probably Chris Paul is another guy that I think you could at least throw into the discussion for, for like a top five type spot, which is pretty incredible given, you know, what we were expecting uh, sort of him to be at given his kind of trajectory. But I think that my fifth spot 
Um, I'm going to go with Luka Doncic. Um, I mean, again, just the numbers he put up this year, uh, it, it just, just pretty, pretty mind boggling, you know, um, he's, he's right up there in, in top five range of most of the kind of all in one kind of efficiency metrics type stats. And, you know, the raw stats, 29 points, nine boards, nine assists a game. Um, I just, you know, he, even though he doesn't, he didn't shoot the three ball that well this year, but, um, you know, still was a, a an above average efficiency scorer. And I think, you know, might've been higher if not for the fact that, you know, the, the Mavericks were only a little bit better with him on the court than off, you know, famously they beat the Bucks in Milwaukee without him. They've had, I think some pretty, you know, impressive performances, even without Luca, which is interesting given that he really is the engine of that offense. Um, but I, I think again, just overall, um, what we saw from him this year is just incredible for a 20 year old guy. Uh, and especially when you think about, you know, just what kind of trajectory this puts him on for the future, we're going to be talking about, you know, health permitting. Um, we're going to talk about him uh, a lot uh, every year in terms of uh, MVP ballots. Yeah. So I actually had uh, on, on the outside looking in for my top five, the guys that I had in on that list, Anthony Davis as well. I did have him there. Uh, I also had Kawhi and I just couldn't put him in the top five. Uh, I think we saw last year that he was able to to do what he did in the playoffs and get the finals MVP. But I think you have to play a certain number of games uh, during the regular season to really push your name into that conversation. And while the Clippers have not been the same without him, to the surprise of no one, I couldn't put him in my top five. Other guys I had on the outside, Russell Westbrook, I, I had him in there. And it's interesting because uh, he was really making a, a late charge and... Uh, as the, the Rockets were starting to play some pretty good basketball, they're one of the teams that I'll, I'll be most curious about if things uh, don't get started again, what would have happened with them? And not only what would have happened with them, what will happen now uh, with that team and, and what they decide to do with that dynamic. Uh, other guys just on the fringe, you already mentioned Lillard. I had Chris Paul as well, Pascal Siakam, even though he dropped off in, in a big way as the season went on. But number five for me, I had James Harden there. Look, 34.4 points per game. He's had the five 50-point games. He had a 60-point game as well. Uh, you know, he gets criticized for the shots that he takes, the amount of minutes he, he takes as well, and, and everything else that goes on. And certainly not the most popular man in Milwaukee, but uh, I, can't, I can't ignore the scoring that he's done. I had him on my ballot at number five. And then I had Jokic at number four. I put him in there because uh, when you looked at the start of this season, 15 points on 54.8 true shooting in October, then 15.8 on 51% true shooting in November. Uh, this, this was a guy that uh, was a lot of people were picking to win the MVP, and he came into the season underdone, out of shape, uh, and just looked terrible. And, and the Nuggets were still winning games. They're a pretty deep team. They're talented. But the concern was with Jokic and the fact that uh, they had such a great regular season the year before. If he wasn't at an MVP level, there were no chance to do any damage uh, in the postseason. He's really bounced back. And his February was unbelievable. He averaged 25.5 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists on 70.6% true shooting. Uh, Jokic, through that all-star period, had really rounded into shape. There was talk that he'd lost up to 20 pounds uh, during the regular season. He was unbelievable. I, I love watching him play. Uh, his ability to pass the ball as a center uh there's there's no one as good as him in the game at doing that and uh i think that the nuggets were in the position that they were as the season ended because of him and him running into shape but then third i had luka Doncic as well i mean i know you pointed to some of the numbers 
that this Dallas Mavericks team is very good, very good all the time. It's been a trademark of Rick Carlisle, the ability to get these role players to take it, go to another level under him. He's, he's an unbelievable coach. But uh, look, the offensive rating, 115.8. Uh, unbelievable this offense and Doncic is the engine of that so I I had uh, Luca in there at at number three as well so I I think for the most part the names are the same and to me it still feels like these other guys are just making up the numbers regardless yeah I think there when I look at the I think you can put like, you know, like we were sort of saying like eight, nine guys here that in a lot of other years in the past would have been like top three, top four type MVP candidates. Yeah. Um, and it really is just like, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches right now. So my, my third and fourth uh, picks, um, it came for me down to Harden and Kawhi Leonard. Um, Kawhi, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the, the Clippers as talented as they are, uh, they were plus 10 points per 100 uh, net better with Kawhi on the court than off this year. I mean, I would not have expected to see that steep of a difference just because you have Paul George, you have, uh, you know, Harrell and Lou Williams coming off the bench. You've got just a bunch of guys that can play and obviously veteran team, um, you know, you, you would expect them to be able to survive non-Kawhi minutes. We, you know, we saw that last year with, with Kawhi in Toronto. You know, the Raptors were awesome without Kawhi as well as with him. Um, but this year, I mean, again, Kawhi made that team so much better. And the playmaking from Kawhi was, I think, kind of the, the big difference. I, I mean, we started to see that in the playoffs last year. I think that was something that I think was one of the underrated storylines of them beating the Bucks was that, you know, the Bucks when they sent extra bodies, Kawhi could at least make those basic plays to find other guys. And that was really kind of the thing that Kawhi did not have in his offensive game. And again, not that he's like, you know, turning LeBron or something, because obviously he hasn't, but, um, but he is a guy that I think can at least, you know, certainly keep teams honest. And, you know, we all saw last year in the playoffs, like kind of what, what that translates to. So it came down to him versus Harden, um, who, as I was saying, you know, when you look at um, just sort of like the statistical markers, um, you know, uh, if I've seen various sort of aggregates of, um, kind of advanced catch-all metrics, you know, and, and how all these guys sort of add up. And Harden is is second behind Giannis when you look at it that way. Um, you know, he's right up there near the top, even with that slump late in the year where, I mean, let's be honest, Westbrook, is, and you alluded to Westbrook, Westbrook was better than Harden for the last, you know, month and a half, maybe longer of the season. But flip side as well is, I mean, how are teams defending the Rockets, right? Um, they were basically saying James Harden, let's take the ball out of your hands. Some teams doubling him, you know, even at half court and putting centers on Westbrook and basically daring Russell Westbrook to shoot and credit to Westbrook. He took advantage of that, you know, really got into his attacking mindset. That is what kind of differentiates him, and um, you know, really salvaged his season. And, and again, the Rockets sort of had that very up and then down end of the season. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to be very curious kind of where, where they end up, assuming we see uh, some version of the playoffs, like what what version of the Jekyll and Hyde small ball rockets are we going to see? Um, but even with that, Harden, yeah, I mean, he just put up incredible numbers this year. Sort of had the anti-Jokic season, uh, just because he finished not so great, whereas Jokic started very poorly. Um, and I know in the Bill Simmons, Zach Lopod, um, you know, I think – I think Bill really hit Harden for that. I think he may have had him like six or something like that. 
um, just because, again, there was such a prolonged slump at the end of the year. But, again, I mean, you just look at Harden's numbers this season. I mean, they, they are, once again, pretty incredible. Um, you know, I, I was looking at, you know, and I was going to talk about this in the Giannis section, but two of the top three all-time points per 36 seasons happened this year. Wilt in his 50-point season averaged 37.4 points per 36 minutes because he played over 48 minutes a game famously. Uh, so you you kind of knock it down per minute, and it obviously doesn't look nearly as impressive. Still, again, the highest in league history, but not not quite 50 points uh, per 36, obviously, either. Harden, 35.4. Even with that slump this year, he ends up at 35.4 points on 62% true shooting, which is better than Giannis was this year. Uh, and actually, um, or sorry, he was at, sorry, my apologies, 35.4 was where he was last year. 33.7 was Harden this year. Um, and 61.6% true shooting, same as last year for Harden. So even with that slump at towards the end of the season, um, you know, his playmaking, his assist numbers were still right there. He's got the same number last year and this year. Um, and the other thing, too, with Harden, I mean, he just plays a ton, right? And, like, this year, he played almost 500 minutes more than Giannis, right? Which I think matters. Kawhi played 1,600 minutes. Um, and so I think, you know, those are the kind of things that, um, you know, on the one hand, I think Giannis' season has made all the more remarkable because what he was able to do without having to play tons of minutes. And that's why, like, the per 36 numbers for Giannis are, are so incredible because you don't really realize it just because he's played historically few minutes for a guy that, that is as awesome as he is. Um, but, you know, kind of net, net, obviously, um, you know, he still ends up playing dramatically fewer minutes than a guy like Harden, which I think speaks to value. So, you know, my wife's a Rockets fan, so maybe I'll, I'll just have to, uh, you know, in case she actually listens to this podcast, I'll give her guy a, a nod. Um, you know, I don't have any issue with people saying that that Harden should be further down, as, as you put him, um, because, again, I think he had, let's say, a controversial season that was very up and down. But, you know, either way, you look at the Rockets, they win 40 games, uh, Clippers 44, so clearly better than the Rockets this year. Um, but the flip side is I think the Clippers were also a much more talented team. Um, I think Westbrook is a far less natural fit for Tarden than, you know, Paul George is for anybody, <laughs> including, including Kawhi Leonard. Um, so, and again, I just think that huge differential and just the amount of minutes played, um, yeah, I, I give, uh, I give Harden a lot of credit. I mean, the guy comes out, plays tons of minutes and, you know, again, is it a, is the MVP supposed to acknowledge who's the best player in the playoffs? No, it's a regular season award. So um, as much as I think, you know, maybe you give the benefit of the doubt to a guy like Kawhi just because of his resume and the fact that he does carry this stuff over and in postseason, I think, again, just based purely on this season, I'll give actually Harden um, the slight edge just because of kind of the, the numbers that he, I was going to say historic, but I think Harden has referred to his own numbers as historic. So now I don't <laughs> want to call him that uh, just to, to not give him that, but, um, again, I think there's a big gap between him and, and the top two, but, um, again, it just sort of speaks to me to how good this season was. I think you can make a case for, you know, five, six guys to be third or fourth in the MVP ballot. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, curious tweet at us, right. Tweet us your ballot, uh, your ballots. Um, cause I'm curious sort of where, where other people come out, but, um, I think there are a lot of there, there's a, there's a lot of you know good answers for who are those three four five guys in the MVP ballot and um, you know I think that just speaks to, to where the leagues are right now which makes it all the more frustrating that that we're not getting our basketball. 
So a couple of interesting things that I've just sort of thought of and looked at as you were explaining your ballot there, because the Kawhi Leonard one for me is so interesting. I mean, uh, I think the conversation of how many games you need to play to qualify for the MVP and, and what amount of missed games starts to hurt you compared with the numbers when you actually play with that team. And as you pointed to, the net rating when Kawhi is on the floor is, is extraordinary. For the Clippers, they're 38 and 13 when he plays. They're 6 and 7 when he sits. So they're a below 500 team when he doesn't play. And when he does play, they're on uh, over 60 win packs. I mean, that's the kind of impact he's playing. And then on the other side, uh, James Harden, although field goal percentage obviously is not a, a number that a lot of people look at right now. It's as low as it's been since his rookie season. We know that has a lot to do with the shots that he's taking and the three-pointers he's making. But that comes into the efficiency debate. And then you look at a guy like Russell Westbrook that I mentioned. I mean, you talk about numbers that in previous years might be MVP caliber seasons. The guy's averaging 27.5 points, eight rebounds and seven assists. And for me, I had him eighth on, on, my, on my top 10 for the MVP. It's incredible. I mean, the numbers that guys are putting up these days are extraordinary. But uh, we come to the final two. And to the surprise of no one, it's going to be LeBron and uh, Giannis. And, you know, it, it was kind of frustrating towards the end. It was hard to ignore the, the real bias towards LeBron and trying to push him to, into this MVP conversation. Yes, he's old. We understand that. Yes, uh, he's, he's in LA, a city that is a part of the entire world that has been dealing with a bunch of things this year, but for some reason he gets credit for that. I understand that. But when you look at his game, one thing I always think of, we had Ben Gulliver on the podcast uh, going back a couple of months now, and he said something that, that still, I, I still think of and, and, and have thought a lot about since, and he said, you know, the, the interesting thing when I look at LeBron James and his assist numbers this year, and he's averaging 10.6 assists per game, leading the, the league in assists for the first time in his career, and, and the point that he made was that, well, yes, it's impressive, but LeBron's always been a good passer, but I think that the fact that he's passing more is a sign that not only is he playing with probably the best player he's ever played next to in Anthony Davis, but secondly... He's getting older and he's not physically capable of playing the same way that he has in previous years. And uh, when, I, when I looked at some of the clutch numbers from LeBron this year, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, we already mentioned that he blew that layup, but that was an aberration for him. He's been a fantastic finisher uh, in the paint. But when I look at the clutch minutes for LeBron this season, he's played 97 minutes. This is a game within five points with under five points remaining. That's how NBA.com classifies a clutch minute. LeBron has a 43.3% true shooting percentage in the clutch this year is 20 of 60 from the field he's five for 29 from three-point land and out of 54 players that have scored more than 50 clutch points this season he ranks 53rd for true shooting percentage only Luka Doncic uh, funnily enough a guy we spoke about here is is below him at the basket he's 14 for 21 so I mean you, you, this guy is still so physically dominant so big and strong that he has an ability to finish once he gets to the rim but he's one for 10 from mid-range He's five for 29 from three-point land. And really, he's become a, more of a facilitator in these situations for the Lakers this year. His jump shot hasn't been a shot the Lakers can trust down the stretch. Is he still a guy that if I'm watching and I want the Bucs to win a game, that I want LeBron taking a jump shot? No, because I've seen him hit too many big shots before, before in the past. But there are signs that down the stretch in the fourth quarter, that Anthony Davis has been the primary option for the Lakers. And the Lakers have been good. They've been winning a bunch of games. LeBron's played fantastic. But this is a stat that stands out for me, uh, particularly when you look the other way now. It is worth noting that uh, the Bucs have rarely been in clutch situations. Giannis has only played 36 total minutes in the clutch. So that's 61 minutes fewer 
than LeBron has this season, but a 55.9% true shooting percentage in those situations, 40% from three, 16 for 30 from two-point land. The one concern we have with Giannis, which we spoke about all season long, was the free throw, nine for 16 from the free throw line in clutch. Not great. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, when I, when I talk about um, sort of Giannis versus LeBron debate, the thing, the thing that I go to with, with Giannis's numbers, and I alluded to it earlier, but, I mean, I just look at the, the per 36 numbers. And, and, I mean, again, Giannis this year, per 36. And, again, I realize, like, okay, if he played 36 minutes, does he keep up the same pace? Maybe not just because of the way how hard he plays. But, I mean, we know he can play 36 minutes a game. He averaged it two years ago. Um, but, again, third highest points per minute season in NBA history, 34.5 points. 16 rebounds, 6.7 assists per 36 minutes. I mean, there's nobody else. Like, the only guy who's put up seasons that look anything like this are Will, is Will Chamberlain. Will put 37 and 19 in that incredible 61-62 season. And uh, Will put up 34 and 18 uh, in the 62-63 season. And again, those were much faster pace years as well. So, um, you know, we don't have official pace data for those seasons, but if you dropped it down to probably per 75 possessions, Giannis probably scored more than Wilt did when Wilt was putting up, you know, 50 points a game. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, the numbers and obviously the assist numbers, the creation numbers, you know, Wilt was, Wilt eventually, Wilt was a good passer, had some big assist seasons actually, but in those two seasons, he was under three, assists per game, including under two assists per game of the year, he averaged 50, which probably isn't surprising. He averaged 50 points a game. You're probably not going to average a lot of assists. But um, again, it just sort of, it just sort of underscores how freaking historic this season was. And again, last year, Giannis per 36, 30 points, almost 14 rebounds, six and a half assists. And he was incredible last year too. Um, but this year <laughs> it's just been a kind of a different level. I think his PER ended up, he was, you know, for a while there, he was had the all-time highest PER. He ended up, I think, 31.8, I think, is the highest all-time by Wilt in uh, the 62-63 season. Um, Giannis ended up at 31.6, which is fifth all-time. So, you know, tragically, he, he didn't quite, quite end up in, in that historic ballpark. But, um, you know, again, it, it's just head and shoulders. Box score plus minus, plus 11.5 this year versus nine. Harden was second. Um, PIPM and RPM are probably the two, you know, probably the two um, kind of like plus minus adjusted plus minus stats that are the most, I'd say, respected by, you know, smart, smart basketball people. Uh, Giannis, I mean, in PIPM plus nine, next guy is Kawhi at plus 6.42. I mean, it's not even close. Giannis with the highest defensive PIPM in the league this year, um, a monster, you know, plus 4.46, so pretty much evenly distributed four and a half both offense and defense so in other words he contributed the bucks being plus four and a half points per 100 better on offense and defense um in rpm ironically um and i can't remember if we joked about this but i remember there was a, a five on five on espn late in the season and they were talking about mvp you know this was sort of during the lebron industrial complex manufacturing their mvp narrative or mvp debate uh, and Jackie McMullen referenced how uh, uh, RPM, you know, is a stat. That just, it's just it was something effective like RPM. And I like Jackie McMullen, but she was some some comment like RPM is a stat that you know many 
she might have said like GMs or others, you know, point to as you know, an, an, you know, an all-encompassing stat. And at the time, LeBron was number one. But then basically the RPM, ESPN basically revamped RPM because they, I guess, you know, basically it had been kind of wonky all season. And some of the defensive numbers especially just didn't look right. Like LeBron had like incredible defensive RPM, which didn't really make sense. And so basically they kind of um, adjusted it so there was less outlier variance in the, the defensive RPM numbers. And lo and behold, overnight, Giannis went to the leaderboard of that too. So Jack Mullen's whole argument for RPM being the reason for LeBron being uh, the MVP completely fell by the wayside basically overnight. So, so Giannis ends up winning the, the RPM title uh, as well. I think almost plus eight, I think he ended up. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just number after number. He just, I mean, I think as fans, as, as, like for those of us who, who watch these types of numbers, I mean, we are come, you watch Giannis, you just become completely desensitized to, to how historic the stats are that he's putting up. Um, you know, again, go back over the past 20 years. I mean, um, just, they're just very, you know, seeing any numbers like this in a given year um, is rare. And for a guy to put up all these in one year, um, it's just, it's just staggering. And to do it as clearly the best player on the team with the best record where, you know, there's no other MVP candidate like, you know, LeBron and AD playing together. Um, I think it just makes that much more of, of a no brainer. So yes, Bucks fans, you're, you're going to be shocked to, to, um, to hear that, that we yes, do think Giannis is the MVP and um, pretty remarkable, right? I mean, guy's 25 years old. He'll be a two-time MVP. And, you know, again, all that's left is, is winning a championship. And, uh, you know, you look at other guys and when they won their first titles, um, as far as guys who, you know, were, were the, the guys on their teams, you know, Dwayne Wade's kind of an outlier. I think he was like 24 maybe when he won with Shaq. That was you know, a little bit of an outlier. Kobe won some when he was with Shaq. So, you know, it's a little bit different there. Um, but you look at LeBron, Jordan, guys like that. Um, and Kawhi also in that camp, you know, playing with Duncan. He obviously wasn't the best player even when he was finals MVP against the Heat. But, um, you know, 27-28 is typically when uh, the best players have kind of ascended to that title uh, title level where they lead their teams to titles. And, um, you know, obviously as a Bucks fan, you hope that you hope that Giannis beats those guys to the punch. But um, I think it just, just really underscored what a historic career he is having. Um, maybe got started a little more slowly than, than a lot of other kind of all-time great Hall of Fame type players, um, which kind of makes sense when you consider where he came from and his just body maturing the way it did. But um, I mean, he is just, again, we, you know, and I know everyone's appreciating basketball now that it's gone, but when it comes back, um, watch these games, enjoy these games. Bucks fans, let's enjoy all the time with the honest we have. Hopefully that's for a very long time, but you will never see another guy like this <laughs> in a Bucks uniform. You know, Kareem is the only guy who comes close to, to him. And Kareem is literally, you know, one of the greatest ever has an argument for actually for the greatest ever. Nobody ever really talks about it anymore, but um, most MVPs in, in NBA history, most all-star appearances in NBA history, the bar is very high with Kareem, but uh, Giannis certainly is, is doing as much as, as uh, you know, the fact that he's in the same breath as Kareem in all time kind of bucks sort of greatness um, is, is about as high a compliment as you can pay him. And um, hopefully we've got many more years of this because it's just breathtaking to watch. 
No, I know I sort of laughed about it at the start when I brought up the the outside narratives, but this has always been the thing that I come back to when I talk about this this year's MVP discussion. If you can't actually make an argument for LeBron James without having to bring up things that have nothing to do with what's happening on the court, that tells you all you need to know. And the reality is that's where the conversation is at with LeBron and Giannis. Giannis, right now, I mean, if if the season ended, I uh, and even if they continued, I mean, I've got no doubt that he's heading to back-to-back MVPs. And you mentioned Kareem last time. The Bucks, well, the only other MVP they had, but the last time they had a back-to-back MVP was Kareem in 71-72. We know they won a title in one of those years. But if Giannis goes back-to-back, he's joining names like Kareem, like Will Chamberlain, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. I mean, he's, he's very quickly putting his name next to some of the absolute all-time greats of the game. And as you mentioned, I mean, sometimes you do become a little desensitized to, to what we're watching. But we've seen this MVP campaign every single day right in front of our eyes. We've both been lucky enough to be in the arena and, and see him play uh, at times. And it's sometimes you need to remind yourself what you're seeing and how special it is. He's been incredible. The numbers you rattled off, uh, some of the numbers I mentioned as well. It's just been an incredible campaign. And last year, you know, the Bucks get to the conference finals and you sit there and you walk away and you go, well, I know Giannis is only 24. Like I know in theory he should get better. I know he said he's only 60 to 70% of where he's at. But can he actually get better? And where is that going to come from? He just, he just continues to do it. He doesn't stop working until... He comes back every season with with more strings to his bow, with more strengths that he can uh, dominate the opposition with. And and this guy is just relentless. And as you said, we're very fortunate to be able to see this. And we still hope that there's another, there's more season to come and there's more Bucks games uh, that we get to watch and, and watch Giannis go through another playoff campaign. But uh, I think if things don't go that way, there's been enough games played that they're going to give out the awards. And I just think there's no question Giannis is going to be back-to-back MVP. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think it's a it's a no brainer. I think um, we'll talk about some of the other awards here over the the next few few episodes. I think defensive player of the year is going to be, I think, a much more interesting one. Where I I legitimately don't know which way it, it could go. I think, you know, if you'd asked me this like two three months ago, I would have said Rudy Gobert. You know, maybe Anthony Davis takes it. Then um, I thought Anthony Davis had a lot of momentum, and then I think as people have sort of really contextualized what the Bucks have done as a team defensively, I think the Giannis argument has grown stronger and stronger. So, uh, and, and meanwhile, Gobert, I think has had some very um, notable kind of issues with the jazz, not being able to necessarily defend well with him on the court. I mean, like the jazz exposed them or sorry, the Rockets exposed them um, a fair bit. Westbrook pretty much is going right at Gobert um, in a couple of games. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think it, that's going to be a really fun discussion because, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm, we're all praying that the Bucks get a chance to, to win an NBA championship. Um, I mean, th- there is, there is a chance and I'm, I don't think I'm going to jinx it by, by saying this, but I mean, there's a chance Giannis could be MVP defensive player of the year and the one we really want NBA finals MVP. I mean, that that's all in play this year. And, I, you know, that's just mind-boggling right to think that that he could pull off that trifecta in one season it's um i think did akeem do that once i am trying to remember if, if he did that all in one season and in, in during the, the rockets three-peat or not but um i mean that that's just it doesn't get any better than that and and that's just the level that he is at right now that that we can seriously talk about him being 
both the, the most valuable player, the best and most impactful defensive player. And obviously when you can do that, you're going to be um, good enough that, that you could potentially also be winning an NBA finals MVP if things go your way. So um, I don't know what the NBA finals will look like this year or when they will take place, but uh, God willing, hopefully Giannis will be a part of them and, and give us a chance to see that. All right. So as Frank sort of said, we are going to go through the other awards next week. We've got to the end of another week here. It's been a fun one. Uh, I keep reminding you guys, but if you didn't catch up with the chat with Darwin Ham from the start of the week, that was a lot of fun. And then yesterday, uh, caught up with Dr. Dave. Everyone knows Dr. Dave. That was a fun chat for me because uh, I think sometimes when you talk to people and talk to, to fans, and obviously Dave does a lot more for the Milwaukee community, but he is a fan and you could truly hear the passion and excitement he has when he's talking about the Bucks, and for me, like that's that's what sports are all about for for us as fans, guys that try and cover the game. We love it, and we we have a passion for it. And I could really hear that coming through from Dave. So that was a, that was a really fun one. If if you missed that as well, but uh, yeah, stay tuned for next week. We have got plenty more fun stuff to happen as we continue to roll through this NBA hi- hiatus. But Frank, appreciate you jumping on. Uh, I don't think we ever have any problems talking about Giannis for half an hour or however long we've been talking about here, but. For everyone else, stay safe over the weekend. Uh, Try and find some fun activities to do. And in the meantime, we'll be back next week. 